In this episode, we'll be finding out what's a tease with Ginger Valentine. Hello, Ginger Valentine. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me on What's the Tease today. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So it's the top of the morning on your side, and we're just going to get straight into it. Okay, no foreplay. Just no foreplay. Right to the, <laughs> no flowers, right to the, no chocolate, no dinner. <laughs> I don't like any of that stuff. I'm old. I, I'm like, you know what? Let's just get right to the good stuff. You know, if we agree to go on this date, we all know what we came here for kind of vibe. Yeah, let's just cut the chase. <laughs> I promise. I mean, we can go through the motions if you want. I like flowers and candy, but it's not necessary. I'm really easy. <laughs> <laughs> so she says, such a tease. I know, it's a lie. Always it's a, a lie. tease. <laughs> so, like, you have over 30 years of combined dance and burlesque experience. I mean, looking at you, you're hella young girl. So, like, having that <laughs> on on the front page of your website, I'm like, okay, cool. So, I'm yeah. guessing that the entertainer bug bit when you were at quite a young age. Yeah, just like anybody else probably that does some kind of showbiz thing. I was three years old and I was putting on dance shows for my parents mm-hmm. and I think my mom was like okay we need to get an outlet for this because we're trying to watch a dynasty and knots landing you know they're like trying to watch tv <laughs> and I'm like wait wait no no I got the show right here just like turn the like can I just direct your attention to me mm-hmm. <laughs> also as an only child so yeah uh, but also I turned 40 this year so I'm young but I'm not young by like dance or showbiz standards I'm like you know considered to be older I get or at least growing up as a dancer like I remember thinking that 25 would be like out to pasture so I mean you're not supposed to talk about age of stuff like that these days I'm just saying Mm -hmm. you know but that's how it was that's yeah but yeah I started I started my training very young uh it was like shitty training oh wait can I cuss yes of course yeah great fucking love it so I started (laughs) my training really young and it was like shitty training I did like the combo tap jazz ballet I really mm-hmm. didn't get serious professional training until I was about 12. And then I was like, oh, this sucks. And I quit. It was ballet. And I quit because I was like, oh, this sucks. Uh-huh. And then you I didn't like obsessed. all that formalized, you know, the rules I, of it all. I didn't like the pain. And I was just I was just a little baby about it. I wasn't ready in my mind and my body. But I was I wanted it so badly. And I realized that I wanted it so badly. And I learned to shift my perspective. Mm-hmm. And um, I became obsessed with it. And then I, yeah, when I was fourteen, I went back and I had my serious, serious training. But I didn't, I didn't really technically start serious big girl training till I was a teenager, which is pretty late. So, like, is that roundabout when you attended the performing arts high school? Oh, whoa! Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, well yes, it is. Look at you doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. I, I grew up in a suburb of Dallas, Texas. And I had gone to the same, you know, three schools, and I really, I was like this punk rock kid, but I was obsessed with ballet. I did not fit in, and I wanted to go to the art school, and I did, and that opened up my whole life because I I got some great professional training there, but more importantly, I made a really good friend that brought me to her studio in Arlington, Texas, what's Mm -hmm. up, Tarrant County, and I got my Russian training, and that is what formed me as a human being, Svetlana Stanova, Nikolai Simakov, and all the Russian teachers I had after that, that was it for me. Oh, that wow. That was it. 
that so, was it. <laughs> so that when, was it. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> so like, like at that point when you were, attended the performing arts school and had all these like incredible Russian teachers and training, did you have a career in the arts in mind that you wanted to pursue? You know, yeah, I was, I was a precocious, like I, I was like anybody. I think you're. Uh, kind of a dichotomy and you kind of contradict yourself. So I was like very introverted uh, and shy and kind of like self-doubting, but at the same time, like I knew somehow, I was like, I can fucking do this shit, I'm gonna mm-hmm. do it. you know? And I had this image, this was way before I got into that school when I was in junior high and I was in my room with my sweatpants, waist rolled down, leg warmers, crop top, 12 years old, mm-hmm. 12 year old woman sweating to my soundtrack of flash dance. This is 1992. Like people are listening to Bell Biff DeVoe, they're listening to TLC. They are not listening to Flashdance soundtrack. And my friend was coming over to spend the night, and I was just waiting for her to show up. And she came over and she walked in and she's like, "What are you doing?" And this is what a little asshole I was. I just looked at her and I go, <laughs> "I'm working on my career." Twelve-year-old, twelve-year-old. I'm like, I'm working on my career. Like, God, what? You want to play Barbies? Like, get grow up. I'm working on my career. I don't have. And it, what's so weird is like I lost that in my 20s but in my teens and even before then yes 100% I was just like I want to be a dancer and I want to be showbiz and I got to find a way I was lost for a long time I was like I gotta be ballet Mm -hmm. but that wasn't gonna work because of my body Um, not size of stuff don't come at me I think I look great but it Mm -hmm. was more like orthopedic issues Mm -hmm. and then I also really uh, the one thing that I never ever did god damn it (laughs) So I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader more than not more than anything because I never went for it. Yeah. And everybody around me was like, you you should not. They were you know I told my mom and she was like horrible idea. I told my best friend she was like stupid, and I had no support and I was very impressionable at that time and I was yeah. like yeah this is a dumb thing to pursue. But damn before I started showing my tits I really wish I would have done that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know you know <sighs> like sometimes like certain paths. Um, lead us into a different way of life you know so we might have lost oh. a ginger valentine in the burlesque world you because would have. the dallas cowboys oh, would have had her now and who oh, knows yeah. you know oh, what world that would have been opened up to you've referenced in the past and now watching films like gypsy and flash dance which piqued your interest in striptease but you were also quite keen on the sciences like meteorology and even oh where are you getting where 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 are you reading this (laughs) i mean (laughs) yeah these are things you were into and were considering as possible career goals like at the dallas this is what's so weird is that i really now moving forward i think i'm structuring my career on this idea of really getting people gassed up like you can do it like I promise you can do it Mm -hmm. and whatever it is I just am so obsessed with I'm just so obsessed with it like I don't know I'm just obsessed with it and it's not like a paper chase and it's not like a tick on your belt it's just like to be able to produce something that is beneficial to your soul and others so like that I don't know how to articulate it but that's what I'm obsessed with Mm -hmm. and Despite that, I never believed that I could do any of these things. So like, yeah, I really wanted to be a meteorologist, but I didn't believe that I could. I was like, I can't do that. That's another thing that like now I think about looking back, I'm like, man, I could have totally been like, oh God, I want to be, this is probably just for the Americans, but I want to be like Jim Cantori, who's this guy for the Weather Channel. And he's okay. like, I don't want to be a weather girl in front of the green screen saying like, oh, it's going to be sunny today. I want to be in the field 
with the you know, tornadoes and the hurt. Yeah, yes. Oh, I've seen it. Oh, God. Don't get me started. Yeah, I'm a big weather nerd. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So how did the path then veer more definitively towards the art of burlesque? Well, I'm a much... Oh, well, I've been sex obsessed since I was very young. Um, I always... I have a freak memory. I don't know why I remember all this stuff. I joke that it's because I'm just a self-obsessed only child and I have nothing better to do than to just note my life. But I remember so vividly being uh, like six or seven. My mother had made me this blue taffeta circle skirt for Christmas Eve. Like we always got together at my grandma's house, Christmas Eve, big party. And I was obsessed with the skirt. I had this like, it was probably fake Angora, like this fuzzy white sweater that had a boat neck. But there I was, like, I was pulling it over my shoulder. Like, I wanted it to be off the shoulder. And I was literally posing, seven years old, like, posing on the couch. Yeah. And I remember so vividly, my grandma looked at me and goes, oh, Miha, you look so sexy. And my grandpa turned to her and goes, don't talk to her like that. And that was done. That was oh. it. Done. <laughs> I was like, done. Sexy. And then also my dad, my parents split. And this is the 80s. And my dad, you know, I found his Playboys. He had pictures of Kathy Ireland. If you guys don't know who Kathy Ireland is, please look her up. Mm -hmm. She's amazing businesswoman and just smart rad sexy a huge fan of Kathy Ireland so I was like obsessed with her and Christy Brinkley oh yeah um and just these babes like they were just always around and this is not healthy and you shouldn't raise girls like this and thank god I turned out like 20 percent okay but like I just kind of grew up in Dallas with this babe culture and it just looked like so much fun and mm -hmm. I, I didn't know it at the time but like when you I always knew that boys in the 80s in my world boys had freedom Mm -hmm. And boys could do anything. They could be anything. They were unrestrained. They were unrefined. They fascinated me. And I didn't know it, but I think I kind of felt like that's my way to get like a little bit of freedom and power. Yeah. Is, like with a hair whip and a high kick and a lip gloss. And that's not for everybody. And I'm not even saying it's necessarily healthy. It's just how I come from, where mm -hmm. I come from. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Dallas, Texas, the 80s, you know, and like Playboy. And uh, these are my artistic influences. And I'm dead fucking serious. Like they are artistic influences to me. Prove me wrong. You can't because it's my opinion and it's non-disputable. So. <laughs> so there. After having all this like interest in sex appeal and what that is as a woman to be out in the world and, and like the freedom that it represented. Where did burlesque kind of come from? Like how did that enter into your world? Oh, interesting. I, well, I never, first of all, let me just say when I was exploring all these things and themes as I was growing up, especially in high school, it was all through like a very Vivian Westwood 1978 punk rock aesthetic. So I didn't know I was like 15 years old wearing hardcore bondage gear and mm -hmm. dog like I didn't know I just love the aesthetic I was like I like this but like I looked like I was oh god I don't oh those are the 90s um so I I but like I never really did not know burlesque I suppose I think like a lot of people I've heard a lot of people who are contemporaries to me talk about this especially girls that maybe dance in the club mm -hmm. I think uh, my friend Roxy Delight has said this like she was just doing it but she didn't know it was burlesque and people yeah. were like oh I love that you're bringing back burlesque and she's like but what it's strip tease. <laughs> yeah and and that's something that has always not not what Roxy said but this concept of strip tease I when I want to get well, this is like really a long time ago, I feel like, when burlesque was way more rigid, in my opinion, of like what it is and what it isn't. But in terms of the, I do have two moments of when I knew about like the revival of burlesque. Mm -hmm. And that one is another story I remember that's actually a story I tell a lot of my students because it's kind of crazy. 
and I was at LSU and I was 22. And this is when the Pussycat Dolls with Robert Anton and Carmen Electra were doing their thing. They had done a show with Dita at the Roxy. This was the first time I heard about Dita. This was the first time I really heard about a burlesque revival. And I was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which uh-huh. barely had, like, it was just like, it was so Hicksville back then. And I was at my big computer reading about burlesque thinking like, oh my God, like, I love sex, sexy times. I'm a trained dancer. I wish I could do this. And I was like, ah, but I mean, I like I already had my dance career. I'm 22. Like I'm too old. I can't move to Los Angeles and become a burlesque dancer. Wow. That was in 2002. Wow. And if you would have told me back then that like, yeah, babe, like you'll do that when you're 37, and that will be when you're touring with that lady Dita Von Teese. I never would have mm-hmm. fucking never would have fucking believed you. I never would have believed you ever. So just whenever you're out there thinking like, man, I really feel like I'm meant to do this thing, but I don't understand the how I'm going to get there. You don't ever worry about the how you're going to get there. You just worry about the what, because I believe that no matter what your spiritual, philosophical, existential beliefs are, there's one universal truth and you're going to get there. If you feel it, if you feel it, you're going to get there one way or another, I think. It's, anyway, you didn't ask me about my no, philosophy, but, that's but cool. there you go. <laughs> that's inspired. <laughs> so then going back to your early days around say 2009 when you participated oh. in Michelle Amour's Stripper's Holiday which oh, is yes. for those who don't know is the three days of intensive workshopping which sometimes accumulates up to 20 hours of studio time what do you come away with as an artist from an experience like this you're you're fundamentally changed especially with an instructor like Michelle Amour and I know those of y'all who have taken her classes, know what I'm talking about. And especially for someone like me, who is such a hardcore, like, I'm not the only one, I'm not unique in this, but someone Mm -hmm. like us, who is a hardcore nerd, who like ballet, like, I swear is like my first entrance into BDSM. And just like my way I approach dance and the way that I feel about things. And Michelle Lamore's program was so complimentary to that because she also has a similar background. So I was so hungry at that time for a serious burlesque instruction. There was nothing like that where you could just be like, I want to go deep, just so deep into burlesque. And I want to, you know, like the way you could for any other art. And uh, anyway, it just changed. I mean, I did it like, God, I don't know, six or seven. I don't know. I did it until she was like, I'm not even doing it anymore. And then even if she was still doing it, like, I, I think that it would be weird. Maybe. I don't know if it'd be weird for the other <laughs> girls if I'm there or not. Just be like, hey, what's up? I'm just, I'm just a student, you know, I'm still a student. Part <laughs> of the furniture now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Michelle didn't really have to tell me. It was just kind of like, you're done, kid. Like, just <laughs> <laughs> um, But it's just such an amazing program. And it really provided something that I so desperately needed that so many of us so desperately needed and is some of the most best memories ever, you know. And Michelle and I have been friends ever since. I mean, like 11, going on 11 years now. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy. <laughs> I just talked to her the other day. Yeah, been through yeah. a lot. An intensive workshop like that definitely hones one's skills in the art that you're devoting your time to. So like two years later is when you were crowned the Queen of Burlesque at the New Orleans Burlesque Festival. You then became like a staple on the Bust Out Burlesque cast lineup, which meant like traveling to NOLA on a regular basis from Dallas, where you were based. Can you describe your love affair with the city of New Orleans? 
I will describe my love affair for the state of L-O-U-S-A-A-N-A, Louisiana. Let's just talk mm-hmm. about Louisiana, which like I spent five years of my life in Louisiana. I went to LSU, things that most people should not and would not brag about. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm from Texas. I'm from Louisiana. I'm from these places and they have such a huge impact to me. So at that time when I was doing bust out, it was like coming home because I had lived in Louisiana for five years and then I moved back to Dallas and then started doing burlesque. And then it was so weird and strange for me to go back to New Orleans as a showgirl and to be showgirling in the French Quarter. So mm-hmm. it it was a dream. I remember a specific dream because I was so in love with New Orleans. I still am. It was an, an, like New Orleans is a huge inspiration for my whole life. Uh, but I was so really desperate I think like I was just dying to like have a reason to do something really important in New Orleans uh, with burlesque and uh, I was so grateful back then at the time and those were also some amazing times back then oh my gosh the the girls (laughs) it was just a different time in burlesque that's where I met Pearl another one of my very very good good dear friends somebody that I still you know talk to regularly I mean god uh, and uh, that was you know 10 years ago yeah. 10 years ago. God, so long. Um, but those were some of, some of those moments there at Bust Out were definitely fond memories for me back then of just like, wow, I made it. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Just like, That's ah, it's a show, me. Live Nation, Burlesque, and like on Decatur Street. And like, people. yeah, like I was obsessed with Calvin and Hobbes. And there's this comic strip that I will never forget. And the joke is something about there's no heaven, but maybe if it is, you played jazz in an all-girls review in New Orleans, Louisiana. <laughs> yep. And that, yeah, and like, again, with my freakish memory, like obsessed with Calvin and Hobbes, and that was something that also I just kind of like stuck in my mental scrapbook of like, oh, I like this. This is an aesthetic. This is a vibe that I like. This is a thing that I like. It goes with my, you know, and I never forgot it. And so then when I got to New Orleans, I was like, I'll be damned. Well, I'll be damned if I didn't just do, just look at me in a live, the live band in the city of New Orleans, that combination was like a dream come true. And like so many problems with that show, so many problems, you know, say what you, I don't even want to talk about it, but like just for the, just for the striptease, Mm -hmm. you know, that part of it and being able to work with Wild, Wild Cherry and being able to work with Kitty West. Oh my God. Just incredible. Incredible. Awesome. You've just done the segue into my next question. Um, working with Kitty West, <laughs> I mean, you were Kitty West's protege and you took on the iconic Oyster Girl act. Like, what did you use from your time spent with Kitty and what of Ginger Valentine did you want to bring to the, re- like, to the reinvention of this act? It's, you know, it's kind of interesting to talk about because I have, uh, I never really feel like I nailed it. I have a lot of like, if I could just be real, I feel like really ashamed of the work that I did. And it's not that I feel ashamed, like I didn't do well, but it was just too much pressure. And I put too much pressure on myself and I made it to be this thing. And if I look overall at my career at times where I'm trying to do something for somebody, that's always when I'm the most lackluster. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have enough faith and trust in myself. So I feel like I really need to come clean about all that because I don't want to just be like I've lived this charm burlesque life and like, yes, and then Kitty West and I was her protege and mm-hmm. I did this thing. No, it was like actually a pretty dark time for me. But despite that, working with Kitty West, it, it really makes me want to cry because I'm just like, I don't even know how I got to be so lucky. I was obsessed 
with, I knew so much about her because I had already read cover to cover Leslie Zemeckis' Behind the Burlicue book and seen the documentary a million and a half times and had seen a lot of those ladies that have long since gone like Joan Arlene mm-hmm. and others who were in that documentary and like everybody else in burlesque, you just like look to the ladies that did it first with this reverence. Mm-hmm. I had a very limited time with Kitty in person. Rick took me and actually Ruby Jewel, a friend of mine from Texas, we were both in town to do Bust Out and he took us down there. There was a hurricane on the way. Of course. I actually wrote about it for 21st Century Burlesque. I think that article is still floating around somewhere. Yeah. And just getting to be with her, it was, you know, I just was, I was completely like Wayne and Garth. I was like, I'm not worthy. I like could heart, like I was just like, what the fuck am I doing here? I'm such an imposter. Everybody hates me for, like, I just had, like, I was so in my head. Mm-hmm. But I tried to like put that aside as much as I could and I just I don't know like that was a dream that to me was a dream to be the oyster girl but it was really challenging because I wanted to do it the way that Kitty wanted me to I needed to do it the way that you know the producer at the time wanted me to and the score was an original was the original music but the person who recharted it you know it was like mm-hmm. pieced together because it was damaged in Hurricane Katrina and the score wasn't necessarily like what I, I guess what I'm saying is like, I tried my very best to do that for those people and be like, here it is. I also, for what it's worth, would have liked to had the opportunity to do Oyster Girl as the way that I saw it. Yeah. Which I never did and never could. And I never will. You know, that's not something that I like. Kitty's gone. And like, I'm not, that shell's not mine. I was hired to play a role. You know, a lot of people want to be like, Ugh. but I'm like, look. You know, sometimes in dance, like that's the world I came from is like, you don't create sugar plum fairy, like you audition to be sugar plum fairy. Mm -hmm. And so that's the way I approach Oyster Girl. And that's, you know, the way I approach these acts when people are like, I want you to do this act with this prop, or I want you to do this with this. I'm like, okay, I'm being hired to do a thing. And of course, I try to put my own spin on it. Mm -hmm. And I really did feel this legend of Oyster Girl. I love to play that role. I feel like you know, I wanted to I wanted to be this like spooky, ethereal, just like swampy kind of thing. But again, it was like doing it for these people in the way that they wanted to. So I had no personal, you know, aside yeah. from just what came out of my heart, what came out of my heart, you know what I mean? Like that <laughs> feeling. But yeah, but yeah. I didn't really do it the way that I would want it to do, want to do. So, OK, I don't know. Yeah, can totally understand and get behind all of that. The southern states are known for their pageants. To what extent does this play a role in the burlesque scene in Texas and in the South in general? Oh, man. I mean, I'm so far removed from that location, and I feel like we're so far removed from that time in burlesque. I can only speak to that for what it was like, seven, like I feel like at the height of that, like seven, eight years ago in the yeah. early 2010s. And I do feel, I will speak like, I don't know if it's like Texas and Dallas and Houston and just this kind of like, you know, glitzy glam, but kind of red. You know, I don't know what it is, but there is something in the South to be said about the pageants. And I feel like stereotypically in general, Mm -hmm. the Southern (laughs) content, you know, don't come at me at the DMs, everybody. I I don't have time. I I care, but I don't have time. Um, In general, there is, you know, the classic kind of reign supreme for a while and with the pageantry and you know at the time I never really thought I never really thought about it I I think for better or for worse and sometimes it is for worse because people misunderstand you I just kind of put my blinders on and just do my fucking thing yeah and I just don't really think about it and now looking back I can kind of see like oh well people were watching me or you know I don't consider myself influential um but I 
I must know that I am. Do you know what I mean? And so yeah. when I have to actually talk about these things, it's kind of interesting because I'm like, well, I don't, I wasn't really thinking about it like that. I was just being, I was just doing it. Mm -hmm. But I was very aware, like there was so many rad babes back then. Oh God, the girls in Coco and, and Ruby uh -huh. and, uh, you know, La Divina in Dallas. I mean, she was the OG in terms of classic burlesque. And I remember seeing her in 2007 when I was with a troupe called the Velvet Kittens and we were just like on MySpace <laughs> and bringing our music like on compact discs i mean god <laughs> what is that what even is that bro is like that? it's so ah oh, god i'm an elder elder <laughs> but i'm not because like then i talk to people like kit and tibby that and like i just need to sit down and shut the fuck up because i'm mm -hmm. a baby but it's all relative you know what i mean it's all relative i just yeah. realize now that i have students that are like oh i've been watching i grew up watching you or they're like oh i've been watching you since i was in junior high and i'm like what the <laughs> <laughs> okay kid whatever <laughs> Yeah. Oh God, no. I don't know. Don't even. I do not know. I'm like four, 45 million leagues removed from Kathy Ireland, but thank you. <laughs> You've enjoyed success as a solo artist, um, touring with Dita Von Tees, as you mentioned, performing as part of a troupe when you were performing with um, the Ruby Review with Missy Lisa and Angie B. Lovely, as well as mm -hmm. like producing shows in Dallas and Houston. So what prompted the move to California? What prompted the move to California? It was time for a change. Mm -hmm. I was going through a lot of changes in my life. I was ending my business relationship. I was ending my marriage at the time. And I was currently touring with a show that was based in LA with, you know, a lot of tours going on. And then also my best friend, Alia, was moving to LA. Mm -hmm. And she was like, hey, what if, you know, we just go to LA together? And I was like, well, shit, I'm not really doing anything. <laughs> this is a really this is a really bullshit irreverent way of telling this story where a lot of serious things were happening yeah, yeah, yeah. but for for story's sake let's just put it to you like this well things were changing mm -hmm. i was like hell i ain't got nothing else to do my best friend was like la and i was like fuck it but it was um a much darker time than that it was really tough time i'm just so grateful that it worked out because that was a big risk, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so did you experience any differences or like challenges coming into the West Coast burlesque scene, even as an already established and well-known burlesque performer? I feel like my case is so different because first of all, what nobody knows is that I quit burlesque in 2015 when I was leaving the Ruby Review. I was like, I'm done. Mm -hmm. And then Dita called me and she was like, hey, can you do this three-week tour? And I was like, uh, I think I, I think I like didn't, like she, I remember, I remember she had to email me again. She's like, Hey, did you get my email? And I was like, Oh fuck. Right. Oh, that's Dita Von Tees. Yeah. Cause I was just so, I was just like, so out of it. And, um, so I, in my mind was quitting burlesque, but then I was like, okay, I'll do this stuff with Dita, just this one tour. Well, that turned into three years of touring. Mm -hmm. And so my mentality never shifted from that. Like I really didn't come to LA to be a burlesque dancer. Mm -hmm. I, I also was aware that, like, look, I don't think that I'm going to stop. Like, I'll probably be taken off my clothes well into my 50s uh, and beyond because I just look at the legends. I look at me. I look at, you know. But at the same time, like, I see myself so differently. Like, I'm done in a lot of ways. Like, now it's, I, like, I did it, and now it's just for me, and I really want to do it for others in terms of instruction. And that's mm -hmm. how I feel today. So when I came to L.A., I wasn't trying to – you know what I mean? And yeah, then yeah. like nothing like nothing like touring with Dita Von Tees to make people really feel like you're you can't, you know, like they're, <laughs> I'm grateful for the people that did reach out to me and book me. But I, you know, a lot of people were just like, oh, I just, you know, 
figure you what you know like nah bitch I'll still dance on your bar top like (laughs) you know Um, because it's burlesque you guys like yeah don't you know so I was in a much different mentality and in some ways I kind of quit burlesque in 2015 and and stayed quit even though my actions don't really look that way I guess it's more of just like a, a mental shift Right before the pandemic hit, I had such a huge wave of inspiration. I was telling everybody who would listen to me because I need a lot of attention that Mm -hmm. I was feeling more inspired now than I had ever been. Like the the last time um, I had that type of inspiration was like 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. You know, like I am so inspired to say so much about striptease and nothing like having accomplished your major goals and having a day job to give you the confidence and the privilege to be able to just do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. But I just am ready to do that now. Like I just want to be the stripper that I want to be. And this isn't a diss on the Ruby review and it's not a diss on Dita and it's Mm -hmm. not a diss on bust out. However, when I'm operating within a group under a production, I feel a need to be a certain way. Because of my training in dance and showbiz, it precedes burlesque. But now that I'm just out here in the wild, wild west being Ginger Valentine with all that stuff in my past, boy, I'm ready to fuck shit up. Yeah. But, you know, we have this pandemic now, so y'all just going to have to wait. Yeah, it just puts a little pause on things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm having so much fun, though, still teaching live and, you know, just doing whatever I feel like just for fun and shits and giggles, like just making the best of it. Then this is then, of course, a little bit of like a mind shift throwback in terms of like what I'm about to ask. Um, If I had to describe a Ginger Valentine performance, having had the pleasure of experiencing this in real life, I'd say it's classic burlesque generously doused in hot sauce. (laughs) Yeah, I think that that's like me when I'm like trying to be safe. You know, having heard everything you've just said this was also 2013 ginger and of course like so much has changed over the years you know so that was my experience then and I was just wondering what has been in your mind on stage that you're trying to evoke and what do you hope that the audience took away from all those performances For sure. Back then, my only goal was just to inspire, to provide inspiration and escape and wet seats and boners. Mm -hmm. Like just, I just, I I just want to entertain, like seriously, I just want to entertain you. And I am not a visionary and I'm not a conceptual artist. I am a performer. I'm a live entertainer and I'm a dancer and I work really well as paint and I can be the painter, but you're not going to get some high concept, brilliant engineered costume piece out of me. You're going to get a feeling. (laughs) So, you know, and uh, that's it. That's all you get. It's not, that's it. I feel like you like almost talk that down a little bit when there's actually so much to be said for being in a venue where you have come to be entertained, you know? And that's the wonderful thing that I love about burlesque is that every artist brings something different to the stage, you know? Yeah. So it's like when you are faced with this fierceness of just being thoroughly entertained by a performer, it's like, yes, that's also what I came here for. And, and I think that you've successfully like done that throughout your career. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I, I do self-deprecate a bit and I have a chip on my shoulder about it because I sometimes wish that I was 
like these other artists that I admire because I'm often like what what so what just look at me that's my art just look at me but I really try to focus on my output and I really try to focus on because I do know that when performers have done that for me without you know all that other stuff it really is a gift like I'm just so grateful for that experience and you know I just want people to think they know what it's like to fuck me Oh, hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> I subjectify myself willingly, you know, and it's a really interesting position because I'm so vocal about my misandry right now. Like I really am vocal about it. And a lot of people want to know like how I qualify and justify it. And I'm just like, you know, first of all, it is for the ladies, but it's not excluded to the men. I just mm. don't have any tolerance for bullshit from men. And I have so much fun deleting their comments, deleting their profiles, blocking them. Mm -hmm. And they get so mad when I post my titties and then they put, you know, something they yeah. say or feel is benign. And I am like, no, nah, I don't like this. And they're like, well, why are you doing it then? And I'm like, well, I'm doing it for myself. Oh, yeah. weird. Oh, weird. Just for me. Yeah. <laughs> You're quite an active rollerblader. Oh, no, don't you call me a fruit booter. Yes, you're an avid yes. roller skater. I'm so yes. sorry. What is, <laughs> what is the derogatory term then that you just used? A fruit what? A fruit what? Fruit boot. A fruit boot. Okay, I'm sorry. I do apologize. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm really busting your balls. Uh, I have friends that wear fruit boots and I love them, so it's fine. But uh, just... <laughs> Uh, no, I, 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 yes, I write quads. Don't get it twisted. Oh, thank you, though, for um, educating <laughs> me. I've definitely taken yeah. something out of um, being burned like that. Uh, <laughs> it just means that I'm comfortable and that I love you because that's the Texan in me coming out. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm just very playful. Yeah, I like to skate. <laughs> so as an avid roller skater. <laughs> I like the American accent you put on that. <laughs> I try to give it yes. a little southern twang. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Like, are there any lessons that you've learned from this beloved like pastime of yours that filters into your burlesque instruction today? Yeah, so much. It's, you know, I think it's so great because the fear, like there's a tangible fear when you're skating of falling down and failing. And it's tangible, right? Like I could be mm -hmm. upright and then I could be on the ground and it could be pain and in burlesque, there's the same threat, but it's figurative, not literal. And it's, sometimes I think it's kind of hard to put a needle on it in terms mm -hmm. of your failure. But with skating, you can just physically go look at every time you fall, you're going to get better. You get up and you get better and you get stronger and the fear is less. And that's so tangible and clear to see in skating. And in my opinion, my experience, not so much in burlesque, but I think it's, it's the same. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? It's yeah, like yeah. the same. You can have a bad show, but like who fucking cares, dude? Like just you're going to have I still have bad shows and like the the thing that sucks about it is if you get up all in your pity party and you just are like no, you just have to be like, oh, I had a bad show. What are five th things that I'm going to learn from this going to make me better? And that's what you have mm -hmm. to do with skating. Like if you want to skate or you want to, you know, do some sport like that, you're going to fall and you're going to get hurt. It's a metaphor for life, but if you can just learn how to do better, wear safety gear when necessary, and then understand that it's those experiences are going to help you, I feel like, yeah, being learning rollers like skating helped me with burlesque 150%. Cool. So yeah. I love that it's so tangible and that the thread is so clear between the two. It's, it's just a person, it's just an opinion, perspective, but that's what I think. Yeah. 
on your Instagram, you've been doing a series of stretching sessions. So those in the know, like you, uh, know that burlesque can be a physical and a mental workout. Like with this in mind, what advice do you have for burlesque artists to aid the longevity of their burlesque career? You have to start with your head game. Dude... I don't care about your crystals. I don't care about your crowns. I don't care about your critiques. Mm -hmm. What is your head game? Are you scared to fall? Mm -hmm. Do you have tenacity? And are you so in love with it that you're willing to do it all the time, even when it sucks? Because it's going to suck. Burlesque fucking sucks. Doing burlesque sucks. Because you think it's going to be this fun, glamorous thing, and then you show up to it, and you're like, oh, this is just a scene, like high school, and there's cliques, and there's tribes, and I was good this week, but now I'm not this week, and there's injustice, and there's frustration, and like it's it's not, and it's, it's not going to be your escape. It's going to be all the things are going to follow you there in yeah. burlesque. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I love... I, I love to just like pull the, I love to be a realist about it. And I feel like I've earned the right because I've done it for so many years and so many different levels. I've done it from the top to the bottom and I still do. And I still will. Yeah. Anyway, point, yeah. no point, just rambling. That's it. No, point <laughs> being is that like get your head in the game first um, yeah. and then remember to stretch. <laughs> and Yes. And remember to stretch. And also uh, the, the other thing I want to say too is, if someone is enjoying the type of work that I do specifically or the type of training I do, I really hope people understand that, like that's not the only way to get it. And I'm just coming at burlesque with my, in terms of as an instructor and a coach, I'm coming at it from my own perspective, which is through a physical dance background. Mm -hmm. And that does not mean that you have to be a certain size or that you have to have certain training. All that means is that you have to have a certain mentality and seriousness and commitment to a daily practice of physicality. You can be any body shape or size, but you must still do the physical work, which I think is so important. And it needs to be a daily practice because, you know, I've just, it's become part of my, I can't separate it from myself or my spiritual practice, mm-hmm. which, you know, I can because ultimately I'm not Ginger Valentine. I'm not even my birth name. I'm not even a woman. I'm just, a, you know, I'm not going to get too <laughs> woo woo, but I'm just saying like, yeah, like it's just so like how I do burlesque is how I do everything. And I do everything. I try to do most everything with intention when I'm in a good place. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been in I haven't been in good places a lot this year just like everybody. It's been so fucking shitty, but So, speaking of in these pandemic times that we found ourselves in so unexpectedly, how and where do we access the Ginger Valentine experience or that is not Ginger Valentine, that is not, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. that is not a woman. Oh my, that is just right. just walking I am the just earth. a spiritual being. Yes, yeah. I'm not my ego like this, I'm always trying. Yeah. Um, Well, I'm really excited because I'm working on a lot of new stuff and um, I just kind of this year experimented with some online instruction and moving forward. First of all, I really am trying to focus on continuing to provide a lot of free content because I have a lot of content behind a paywall and I'm expensive when I start because I have a lot of professional training and because I value myself and everything that I have to offer and offer very expensive but worth it but at the same time I don't want to be exclusive Mm -hmm. so I want to have a lot of free content and on Instagram you can always once a month I'm pretty good about 
promoting it, I hope. I do a live class. They're just available for 24 hours, but you can be so sneaky and smart and record it some kind of way and then you have it forever and I never know. And then you're like, ha ha, gotcha, Gingerbread. Like I always tell people, I'm like, just just <laughs> record it. They, they get so sad and they're like, I can't do, I'm gonna miss it. And I'm like, play it, you know, you can figure it out. You can figure it out. You can cheat the system, it's not hard. That's very generous so, of you. I really want to always do that. Offer always offer um, one routine a month for free that we do together live. I'm so glad I started doing that in the pandemic, and I'm so grateful to all the jackass men that chased us off my big platform because now I have a private Instagram account that's only women identifying people, and mm-hmm. it's amazing. So anyway, free stuff on Instagram, and then also my website gingervalentine.com. It's winding down for the year, but I started a new program it's called strip school mm-hmm. and it runs on the academic calendar i'm obsessed with it i'm having the most fun and my website's going through a lot of changes we're gonna you guys are gonna be able to you know get content monthly if you you know want to pay for stuff and um then you can always do free stuff on instagram until you know i get banned <laughs> i hope not but yeah <laughs> it's always a, always a worry well, now that you're vetting everyone who comes into that um, site, hopefully not. Yes, I know. Hopefully not. Well, that all sounds like pretty good. And it sounds like that you are in a in a good space, like despite the circumstances that um, we've been dealt with this year. You know, I feel really fortunate that I was already moving towards an online program. And that was one of my big goals for 2020 was to teach less. I love teaching in public, but... I need to have a life and I mm-hmm. fell in love last year and I have sacrificed my whole adult life to this stuff. And I'm like, I, I want to have my own, <laughs> I want to have my own life. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I'm very fortunate in terms of that being, uh, complimentary to my goals. Uh, however, like a lot of us, I'm missing out on some big gigs that I was very excited about, big performance opportunities, which I'm still doing. Mm-hmm. And I desperately miss the stage. I really haven't done anything, but I think just I don't give a shit if you people want it or not. Mm-hmm. But I'm probably going to start putting some shows online just because I still need to function as a stripper some way, somehow. So... <laughs> And should the time and space provide it, we might see you on stage again? Yes. I mean, to be honest, I feel like uh, this pandemic has no end in sight, at least in my country. Everyone, you know, knows what a bunch of flaming idiots live in my country. Yeah. Um, And there are, I have already been turning down gigs and there are shows. uh, And the thing is this, is that probably not until a vaccine has been circulating for Mm -hmm. a while Mm -hmm. will I return. I like Broadway's not coming back through next year, you know, like, and, and Cirque du Soleil and all these things. And it's not like, I think I'm fucking Broadway. It's not that, but I'm just like, I'm using them as kind of a guideline and I am a high risk. I have asthma Mm -hmm. and um, sometimes respiratory issues turn into bronchitis for me. And I also would feel like the shittiest shit in the world if one of my workshops transmitted something. So because of all those reasons, I doubt that I will be teaching a live class or on stage for... For some time. for For a couple of years, yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, it's fucked up. But then also I'm like, well, shit, like, I know I'll be doing this into my, for- like, through, like, I don't feel like I'm losing it, like I'm too old. But at the same time, I've been in burlesque for so long. And I'm like, what am I going to look like after a two or, th- not physically, <laughs> without- I mean, what is my mental, God, yeah. you guys, don't come at me. I I accept myself. I mean, like, what what is my mentality going to look like? Like, am I, am I going to even want to? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I'll tell you right now, I'm going through this phase where I'm very nostalgic for, for better or for worse. I'm very nostalgic for this time in burlesque when it was like, oh God, you know, like Roxy Delight and Kalani are just like queens and mm-hmm. festivals were, you know, there was only a few of them and they were so good. And those girls that were headliners were getting paid a good rate and strips mm-hmm. are, um, you know, there was like all different kinds of, uh, national shows that were you know god like scenes like minneapolis and chicago and st louis and the midwest and then seattle i don't know like there's people in these towns are still doing amazing things i don't want to sound like it's gone away i'm just saying that particular era and those particular like the era when i came up like and like going to burlesque hall of fame oh i just missed that time when it was this thing Mm -hmm. and these particular legends were still alive and Mm -hmm. something about the pandemic really put a distance from that time where I used to kind of be like, Oh yeah, whatever. And now just eight months, nine months into this pandemic, I just look back at those times. Like it was 25 years ago, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Like I am the old legend. I'm just like, honey, my space. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I'm half, I'm halfway there. I want to know when is it 55? Is it 65? Like when I'm like, maybe I'm just like 15 years out from like, when do I get to be in that level? where I can, you know, where I can openly do all the drugs and it's just endearing instead of sad. And I can I'm go do b- drugs and ice cream. Yeah. All you can eat. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for those days. Yeah, well, you're going to have to hang in there a little bit longer because you still got a while to go, sister. Yeah, I feel like it because I, I've been on this planet for 40 years, but I feel like I'm a young whippersnapper so we'll see (laughs) (laughs) cool um so ginger valentine it's at this point that i sadly um have to say goodbye to you but also like to thank you just for being so open and just like sharing yourself um with myself and the audience we truly appreciate that so thank you ginger valentine for joining me on this episode of what's the tease Thank you. I hope no one's disappointed now that you know the real me. (laughs) It was super fun to be here.